Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I know, that's scary. You think you're scared. <laughs> Come up here where I'm at. I am going to do something totally different this morning. And uh, i got to tell you, the last time I spoke like this in a, uh, a church-type situation was back in 1977. Okay? Now, I've, I've spoken in front of large crowds before, teaching sound, talking about technology. That's easy. Uh, but when the uh, responsibilities uh, given to you to come up with a morning message, wow. Tari knows. And you know, what is interesting is Pastor Steve is one of the bravest men I've ever met. How many preachers do you know for a whole month would turn over his pulpit? I don't know many at all. You know, and to turn them over to novelists, I'm one, I'll admit it. To believe that those folks are going to hear from the Lord for you, you know, that's a brave, brave pastor. But you know what? I, I find it encouraging because he realizes not only can he hear from Christ for this congregation, but every one of us can hear from the Lord. So I want you to know this morning, we're going to do something totally different. See, already something different. I'm preaching from an iPad. Pastor Steve has wanted to do that for a long time. I beat him. <laughs> but he'll love it. He already knew it. I told him this morning I was going to do it, so he was okay with this. This morning, my uh, scripture is going to be out of 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God gave this to me back about three weeks ago, and when God gives me stuff, for some reason, he wakes me up early in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd, I'd wake up and he'd just start saying stuff to me. And I'm going, okay, God, what are you doing to me at four o'clock in the morning? But I want to tell you, those four o'clock morning times are some of the greatest sessions I've had over the, uh, over the last month. And he gave me an idea that says, do the eyes have it? Okay, now we're, we're going to do some really different things this morning, so hang, hang in there with me. In a normal lifespan, you will see almost 24 million images of the world around you. Your eyes are composed of more than 2 million working parts, and they can, they can uh, process 36,000 bits of information every hour. 
Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but your eye has 136 million special cells called rods and cones. These uh, receive light and turn it into electrical signal, which will travel along your optical nerve to your brain at 300 miles an hour. Man, that's fast. When your brain receives the signal, a picture is made and we see what went into our eyes. Under the right conditions, a single candle you can see from 14 miles away. I did not know that. Under the right conditions, it is the most complete organ you possess the most complex organ you possess except for your brain. Now, eyes are frequently used a lot of times in our figure of speech. Um, you know, when they talk about baseball, what do you tell sports people? Keep your eye on the ball. What happens if you don't keep your eye on the ball? You miss it. When you're swinging at a Golf ball, man, if you don't keep your eye on that little old thing, it's going to go way over there, <laughs> or it's going to go way over there, or it's going to hit and bounce off Tari's head. A, uh, another thing that is used with eyes is uh, when we have a decorator, what do we say about them? They have an eye for color. When we find something interesting, we call it eye-catching. Eyes and sight are frequently used in the figures of speech throughout the Bible. You know, um, the Bible is an organ of perception, and perception involves more than just physical sight. Now, I, I want you to understand, this eye is very complex. But did you realize what you see isn't always right? Did you know your eyes can make mistakes? We're going to run through some slides. Now, I'm telling you, this is going to be different, okay? You got to hang in here with me because this is going to be fun. It's going to be different. So, Teresa, if you'll put up the first slide, tell me, what do you see up there? How many see the duck? How many see the rabbit? How many see both? So what is it? It's a duck or a rabbit. Teresa, let's go to the next slide. Are those lines straight or crooked? Are you sure? You're really sure? What if I were to tell you they were crooked? Who said they're crooked? How many think they're crooked? Raise your hand. That's a lot of you. How many think they're straight? Raise your hand. Oh, come on, it's the same line. You guys are looking at the same line. Aren't you? The line is straight. How many got right? Raise your hands. 
All right. We're going to put up this next slide. I want you to read it and take it off, Teresa. What did it say? How many say a bird in the bush? Are you positive? <laughs> oh, now, come on. All right, put it back up there. If that's wrong. <laughs> a bird in the the bush. All right, how many already see I'm different? All right, go ahead and put up the next slide. Okay, tell me what is which of the black squares are bigger. You guys are catching on too quick. All right, how many think the back one is bigger? Raise your hand. Oh, man, they, we got one. <laughs> They're both the same size. But how many would have thought the back one was bigger? Put up the next one, Teresa. What do you see in the middle? 13? Or do you see B? Or do you see both? It is both. All right, put up the next one. All right, you got, we'll call those three fathers there. Which one's the biggest? How many think in the back? Raise your hand. Boy, y'all catch on too quick. You don't trust me anymore. How many in the middle? All three of them are the same size. Okay? See how your eyes can play with you, play perceptions with you? Okay, this next one she's going to put up, I'm going to have you read it, and then she's going to take it off. Go ahead, Teresa. Off. You're a slow reader. <laughs> All right. She's going to put it up again and count the number of Fs in the words and take it off again. Ready? Go. Take it off. All right. How many saw three Fs? Raise your hands. Three? Anybody see more than three? Raise your hands. This is confusing. Half of you only see three Fs. And the rest of you see more than it. How many saw four? Okay, how many saw five? How many saw six? What? How many saw seven? You're really good. There's only six. <laughs> Put it back up there again, Teresa. Finished files are the result of... Years of scientific study combined with the experience of, how many see six now? So often we take for granted 
what we see as a gospel truth. But that, as I just proved to you, isn't necessarily always the case. And I'm going to be real honest with you. That's why I'm glad God is judge and you're not. I can tell you from, uh, from past experience that people will take things and use them against you. And they will try to beat you down. And they will do everything they can to destroy you. I'm not talking about just people out in the world. I'm talking about Christians. They want to press you down and get you down to where you can't function anymore. Okay? But my Bible teaches me that when I become saved, God takes your sins and he throws them into a deep sea of forgetfulness. And then he's taken them and covered them with his blood. He's taken that sin of stealing. And it goes. He's taken that sin of lust. There it goes. He's taken that sin of stealing into the deep sea of forgetfulness. But I want to tell you something. We're the first to bring it back out in our lives and let people use it against us. Man, I want to let you know something. Man, are you listening to me? Your wife doesn't have a deep sea of forgetfulness. Am I right? <laughs> you know, your friends, they don't have a deep sea of forgetfulness. I guarantee you, your enemies, you know what? They don't have a deep sea of forgetfulness. We've gotten saved, and we're full of the joy. But then, when we make a mistake, we get embarrassed, and we try to hide it, and we try to cover it up. And um, it will destroy us, and we won't become all that God has for us if we stay that way. The enemy of your soul will try to destroy and keep you from doing all God has called you to do. And most of the time, he is, success, is successful at this because he makes you feel unworthy and keeps you down in your misery. You can't see what God has for you because you are so caught up with all the things you did in the past. You're afraid someone is going to expose you and you're going to be embarrassed by what you did. What I want to tell you is that God wants to use you as an example. And let your example of what you've been through to help others lead 
people to Christ and lead them out of their misery. The enemy has you so consumed with your financial situation, you're afraid to trust God and tithe. The enemy has you so beaten down with illnesses and disease that it makes it hard to see the God who wants to heal you and make you whole. The devil has you so trapped in your addictions that you see no way of escape. But I want to tell you, there's nobody like God. Absolutely nobody like God. I think the church over the years has developed blind spots. You know what a blind spot is? When you're driving and you look out the mirror and you didn't see that car that you just hit? Even those who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ have blind spots. These blind spots can vary from person to person. Some have racial or caste prejudice and cannot uh, overcome that in their everyday life. So they're only segregated congregations on the basis of taste, class, race, color, etc. The Lord has risen to open our eyes to get rid of those blind spots. I'm so glad I don't go to an all-white church. We would be boring, wouldn't we? And, and I, I, I bet Mike could tell you he's glad he doesn't go to an all-black church. Am I right? Why is that? There's not going to be any segregation in heaven. Despite what you may think. I uh, want to tell you about a missionary story. There was a missionary who, uh, who had been doing a huge crusade. Lots of people being saved. Miracles like you would not believe. And uh, the, the uh, crusade had been going on for five, six weeks, and on this particular Sunday night, they, they decided they were going to take that Monday off and not, not have a crusade. He was, um, he was extremely tired. I mean, I can see a half. He's waking up at 4 o'clock every morning trying to prepare a sermon for these folks why he would be so tired for six weeks. I don't even know how he would get that many different sermons ready, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Tough enough to get one. But anyway, uh, later that afternoon on Monday, he slept in, and he went to a restaurant, bought a paper, and he's going to be himself for a little bit. Well, somebody walks in and says, aren't you the missionary holding the crusade? Yeah. So I want to talk to you for a little bit. So he sits down with him. So the missionary is just kind of thumbing through the paper. And this guy would come up and look in his eyes, just stare at him. 
Now, you, you think that's kind of weird, don't you? Just come up and stare at his eyes. And finally, the missionary goes, what in the world are you doing? I would. Why are you staring into my eyes? This person told him, said, I am the town witch doctor. Okay? I am the town witch doctor, and I'm staring into your eyes because I'm trying to get to your soul. But he says, I can't. See, the eyes are a two-way street. I can't get to you because there's a fire that I see in your eyes. Hmm. There's a fire around your soul that I cannot penetrate and put any kind of spell or curse on you. Think about that this morning. Have you got a fire around your soul? You know, this missionary was at his lowest point. He was t tired. He was beaten down. He was worn out. But still, at his lowest moment, there was a God inside of him that was protecting him. This morning, I want to ask you a question. If the devil were to walk up to you tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, you've already had a run-in with the boss, you're already late to work because it's Monday. The devil walks up to you and he looks into your eyes. Is he going to say, I got gotcha? you? This morning I want you to look at yourself. I want you to examine yourself. You know, Sometimes we just have to be truthful with ourselves. And if I couldn't say this morning that I got fire in my soul, I don't want to be giving my heart to Jesus like I never have before. I mean, I don't want the devil walking up to me and saying, I've got you. I want you to bow your heads for a second. Close your eyes. Look inside this morning. What do you see? More importantly, what does God see? And I want you to uh, grab your neighbor's hand. I told you this is going to be different. I'm different. I'm not Pastor Steve. I will never be Pastor Steve. I don't mind trying being like him, uh, but he's not me. This morning, as you're holding that hand, and you don't know and you can't answer that question for sure, I want you to squeeze that hand next to you. If both of you squeeze a hand, that's great. 
examine yourself this morning? If someone squeezed your hand, your hand, I want you to raise both of them up in the air. One, two. You know, this isn't a time to chicken out. I'm so thankful God didn't chicken out when he went to the cross. He could have. Four different hands this morning. Would you repeat after me? Father, please forgive me of my sins. I want to see things the way you see them. I want you to come and fill my life. Make me whole. I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. That you cared enough for me to send your son. We thank you for that, Jesus. Amen, amen. I'm not through yet. Okay, you just thought I was through. You always thought the altar call had to go at the end of the sermon. It doesn't. <laughs> All right, now, I want to take you down a little different path for a second. Can I? Fire attracts. You know, when the sirens go off and the fire's going Everybody runs to it. Am I right? Go look at the crowd. You know, I see them chasing the fire trucks. I chase fire trucks every once in a while if I think it's a big enough fire. And you do, don't laugh. You do too. You know that. I want to tell you how I see passion for a second. Guys, get ready to start a fire. Do you hear what I'm saying? We've been letting out little smoke signals. There's a fire that's getting ready to happen. And we're not going to be able to stop it. There's going to be people come from the north. There's people going to come from the south. Is that south? That's south. There's people going to come from the east. I knew it was south. I just seen if you did. How did you hear that word? See if you did. There's going to be people come from the east. There's going to be people come from the west. What happens at a fire? Now, I asked you a while ago when you examined yourself, did you see a fire? Hmm? Is it just a little small fire? Is it a flame? Or is it something major? Is it a burning fire? What do you want to have in your soul? You know, it's easy to just come to church every Sunday and Julie leads praise and worship, and we'll praise him, and we'll stand up and do our little jig. But God wants a fire in your soul because fire attracts. Fire cleanses. Fire burns out the garbage. And he's looking for a people who's willing to let a fire rise up in their soul. Are you that person this morning? Are we that church this morning, I think God's 
ready to do some miracles in this place. I've got a cousin here this morning. I want to tell you a little bit about her. Elena, thank you for you and your family coming this morning. Probably, and if I'm wrong, she'll correct me, 13 years ago, she was discovered to have leukemia. Leukemia 13 years ago was a death sentence, right? Okay. They put her on a drug, and everything, I mean, she was made whole through that drug. You know God makes drugs too, by the way. You know that. He's the one who gives us the minds and the research to, to find that stuff. She has been going along great for 13 years ago till just about a year ago at this point. Am I correct? Six months ago? All of a sudden, she, she would have to go down every year to MD, MD Anderson in Houston to uh, take these tests to find out how she's doing. Six months ago, they discovered the cancer cells were back. And in her bloodstream, 88% of those blood cells were cancerous. She shouldn't be here right now. But you know what? God has a different plan. They put her on a new drug that cost $7,000 a month to take. That's not my budget. <laughs> she was telling me yesterday about the miracle that happened. Um, they did a big fundraiser. She's an uh, English teacher at Cordell High School, Cordell, Oklahoma. And they did a fundraiser for her to help her out. First, uh, you know, they, they brought this box of money into her, and she was telling me the lady was crying. And, you know, she was thinking maybe $5,000 in there for a $7,000 month drug there were over $20,000 that's God so she got started on a, another brand new drug and she went back this last week week before something like that and the Cancer cells now in her bloodstream are like 7%, 8%, somewhere right around there. And she's going back for another big checkup here in the next month. I'm believing there's nothing left. There's nothing too big for our God. But there's a fire that is, she doesn't even realize this yet. There's a fire that started in you. You know, you're supposed to write a book, by the way. You're an English teacher. Huh? And by the way, yesterday was the first time I've met her. She's my second cousin. But I've been keeping up with her on, guess what, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook does have some good things to it, trust me. <laughs> Not all good, but there is a lot of good. But there's a fire that has started her that, are going to attract people to her that she's going to be able to witness to people and bring them not only healing but the salvation of Christ. There's a fire that needs to start in you. What is your story? What do you see in you? What has God got for you? You know, I was thinking all of us have our own different call. Some of us are supposed to be in full-time ministry. Some of us are supposed to be 
sound people. Some of us are supposed to be musicians. I'm here to tell you, there's some people who are supposed to be businessmen. But your business isn't supposed to bring you all your wealth to spend on yourself. God has put anointing on you to make money so you can finance the kingdom of Christ. And that's a dangerous one because sometimes we get so caught up in making money for our own selves and securing our own future and securing our kids' own future that we forget that we're supposed to tithe. We forget that we're supposed to help people. We're supposed to help one another. And I would promise you, I know my God is big enough, that if you would realize that, you'd probably have so much wealth you wouldn't even know how to contain it. Am I wrong? My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's waiting for us to give it to us. This morning, I want you to close your eyes again. We're getting ready to close. Your fire has trickled to a flame. Again, take off those natural eyes. Remember all of those things I showed you that you couldn't get right because you thought you saw it. I want you to raise your hand if you are big enough and willing enough to admit, my fire's gone out, Danny. It's, it's down to a flame. We got any people like that this morning? Would you raise your hands? Several people have raised your hands. You know, Danny, my, uh, I think I got a pretty good fire. But I'm not always sure. Some days are easier than other days. Some days are greater than other days. But I want a consistent fire, one that burns strong all day long, 24-7. If you're like that this morning, would you raise your hands? I'd ask for all of us to stand. And if you're like that this morning, I want you to come down front. We want to pray for you this morning. I want some of you who have real fire to come with them. If you raised your hands on either one of those, come down this morning. I don't want you to be scared. Nothing's going to happen except the power of God is going to fail you. Thank you, Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. I'm going to ask some of you prayer faithful people if you'll come and lay hands on these folks. If you're back there, stretch your hands toward these folks. Thank you, Jesus. your Holy Spirit would begin to move, Father. That your fire would begin to consume us. Around our souls, God, that we may live a consistent life with you, Jesus. 
A kindle anew, O God. A Thank you, Jesus. Fire of the Almighty God in the name of Jesus. Engulf us, O God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father. Fill us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anointing, Father. Fire in the name of Jesus. We call it down from on high today. Thank you, Jesus, in the mighty name of the Father. Stir us up in Jesus' name, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that there's no one like you. We thank you that there's no one who cares for us like you do. No matter how small the need, you're there. No matter how great the need, you are there. No matter what the situation is, you are there. It says you care for every hair on our head. You know our deepest thoughts. You know our deepest secrets. Father, we thank you for that. We honor you today, O God. Thank you, Jesus. Fire brings people to see what is going on. I don't want us to be the same church anymore. Start today, we're doing something different. We're not doing things like we did yesterday. Do you hear me, folks? It's a new day. It's a new you. It's a new you. You know, inside you now, there's a new and more powerful God that you're going to test and try. It's a new you that's going to create excitement. People are going to be drawn to you to find out what is there different about you. Because you see, we are the church. If we don't act like the church, if we don't act different, if we don't act like there's a fire within us, why would the world care? I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want you to play church anymore. I want you to be the church. Did you hear me this morning? How many agree? Let's be the church. What are you going to do different tomorrow? Devil walks up to you, knocks on the door of your soul, 
What are you going to do? Devil, get out of my life. Uh-huh. Come on. Devil, there's something new. I'm not the same person you had control of yesterday. But I'm going to stand on God's promises. I'm going to stand on God's word. Are you going to be different tomorrow? If you gave your soul to Christ this morning, there were four of you. I want you to come see me afterwards. I'd like to just visit with you and let you know what you're in for. <laughs> what you're in for. Man, is it victorious. Can somebody say amen? You may go back to your seats. All right, I told you. What was it? I was different. Thank you, Jesus. This is over. <laughs> I'm just being truthful. <laughs> Tari already gave his thank you, Jesus. Yeah, now I can sleep. I'm going to go home and take a nap. Fathers, we have a special gift for you back in the back. Uh, make sure you stop by and get that. We want to thank you for being a passion today. Uh, in case you didn't know, Pastor Steve has been over at our Bethany campus uh, preaching to them, instilling into them the Word. He, he's doing the series for them. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.